This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Nine people, nine, nine people were in the Audubon ballroom when Malcolm X was murdered. Nine people in that ballroom were operatives for the government. FBI agents, they created a special task force to infiltrate Malcolm X's organization. And nine members were in that ballroom. And I was thinking about it because I've been watching, as you know, uh, Who Killed Malcolm? The wonderful documentary, the six-part documentary on Netflix. And this struck me to my core. First of all, you know, as you start to watch, and I'm not going to give away too much, and this is the one thing that is a spoiler, I guess, but you see the way in which Jagger Hoover and the federal government were really afraid of the Nation of Islam. First, again, I've, I've talked about this in a previous podcast that Elijah Muhammad was the most surveilled of all people, more than Martin Luther King and anybody else in the civil rights movement, Elijah Muhammad. And I mentioned it before, you know, as it relates to fear, because I, I want to talk about, you know, the, the level of, of fear that they had, that they infiltrated nine people. They got nine people to be in Malcolm's camp to watch him. Did those nine people know he was going to get shot that day? One of them was his right-hand bodyguard. How crazy is that? I'm going to get to that in a second. But as I was thinking about watching this, I said, damn, you know, um, the nation of Islam scared the hell out of this, this government, America. And the real fear was in empowering black people, waking up black people. During this time, you know, we, we think about the second-class citizenship, Jim Crow laws, the fight for equality and justice, what was going on in the South with the dogs being sicked on people, water hoses, you know, the colors only this and the colors only that, the segregation, but also the back of the bus. And you think about, you know, the fight, people literally losing their lives, hanging from trees, white folks getting off their couch and losing their lives. You know, the lady from Michigan, uh, Schwerner and Goodman from Philly and New York, literally losing their lives, you know, bombing churches with little girls in it, bombing churches with, with just people in it. And you, and you know, you know, from Emmett Till on, the brutality and the terror, that wasn't about fear. That was about making sure that you terrorize people to keep them in their place. So why weren't they using those tactics against the Nation of Islam? And that was the thing that was like, you know, and let's be clear, you know, if we talk about New York in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, New York is very brutal. We, we, we were talking now about stop and frisk, and we're talking about the prison industrial complex and, and the things that, like, what happened with Khalif Browder, who is a, a microcosm of a really brutal system. And we, we talk about Eleanor Bumpers, the grandmother who was um, killed in New York, Sean Bell, Amadou Diallo, Patrick Dorsman. They, the, the brutality, the, the, def, the, the depravity, and the disrespect of human life is how the, the terrorism shows up, right? The decimation of whole towns, whether we're talking about, you know, Greenwood or Rosewood, right? And, and I think about the nation of Islam. No firebombs, no dogs, no water hoses, no billy clubs. Because 
this government was really America's government, really afraid of the Nation of Islam. And as I'm, as I'm talking about this now, you know, I just want you to think about why, right? An organization, and if you've been listening to the last couple of podcasts, you know it was the vision of a man, um, Mr. Muhammad, uh, Wallace Fart, Fart Muhammad, who envisioned educating black people about their true origin, right? Basically, you know, I talk about the pendulum swinging and, and, and I over-index in, in black empowerment as well because the system is set up to denigrate black people. So I'm going to over-index in telling you how great black people are, um, which is the sum total of most of these podcasts as well. But in the midst of doing that, you know, he made a movement out of it. Muhammad made a movement out of it, which um, galvanized and energized and inspired so many people to change their lives. And he he targeted folks that were the, the, the thrown away, those that were more vulnerable to the prison industrial complex that had just started its machinery back then, right? And then Elijah Muhammad continued it, and that's where he found Malcolm X in prison. You know, the message got to the people in prison because you had a captive, literally a captive audience. And you're telling that captive audience, you know, uh, and this is something I was, I was talking about with someone when we were talking about stop and frisk, and I think there was a comment on YouTube, and they were like, you know, this is a setup. And I'm like, is it a setup if you don't use their drugs? So Nixon said, okay, Ehrlichman, his chief architect, his chief domestic architect said, let's flood the black community with heroin. Let's flood it with drugs. In the 80s, it was crack, right? In the 60s and 70s, it was heroin. If we didn't take the drugs, that's a failed, you know, nothing happens, right? The Nation of Islam was challenging men, in particular, and women, to be sober, to not drink. So if you go to neighborhoods today, liquor store, liquor store, liquor store, church, liquor store, church, liquor store, hair care, nail, nail salon, Korean uh, nail, hair, Chinese food, number one kitchen. <laughs> That's the sum total of our hoods, right? Liquor stores go out of business when there's a, a mission or ideology or a movement that challenges men and women to not drink, to not smoke, to not defile their bodies with pork, and to, to not eat that, that food, that, that food that kills us. Elijah Muhammad had a book, How to Eat, <laughs> which if anyone follows it, you're, you're going to lead a very long, healthy life, right? And a devotion to God, Allah. How do you fight that? And it must be really scary. So if you're, you're the government, is like, okay, uh, we can't flood them with drugs. That's not going to work. Firebombing them is probably going to be counterproductive because they are trained as well in combat, Fruit of Islam. We don't really want that. That smoke. You know, when we brutalize black people in other places, you know, they're singing and marching and crying. That's good. Or if we fast forward, they're going to burn down their own neighborhoods in protest. We don't care about that either. Then we can come in and gentrify. Now, they, you know what I'm saying? So, like, at the end of the day, everything points to the true fear of the Nation of Islam and the, the true strategy then had to be infiltration. And what's the saddest thing, you know, when I'm watching this and you see the guy next to him, because they interviewed him afterwards, Malcolm, I mean, the, 
the, the shotgun blast to the chest and his mouth is, and I'm, I'm like, I'm literally, my heart is breaking, you know, cause there's so many images of Malcolm X dead. And I'm like, and then they got the nerve to shove a mic in front of his wife. His children were in the Audubon ballroom. His wife was in the Audubon ballroom when those bullets were flying and there were many bullets. Thank God no one else got killed, but that also talks about the precision and the very uh, skillful way in which those bullets were, were flying. But as I was watching the guy, the bodyguard, who claims, you know, um, he tried to save Mal Mal Malcolm's life, when he was asked, you know, why did he do it? He said, I had, I had a wife and I had a kid. I had to feed my family. That was his reason. And it was a check. I mean, I had to do my job. And it was a, it was a check. It was a check. It's like selling out Jesus for, you know, some pieces of silver. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I'm bringing this up, not for the sake of the documentary, which I think people should watch, but it made it really clear why I have a Thrive Thursday on my radio show and why I talk so much and promote so much and help you know push people out there who are talking about financial security and financial independence. Because uh, if the man didn't need money to feed his family, and if we didn't have a world where you know there's such a disparity in income and a disparity in, in the ways in which people can make money. The other thing that made the Nation of Islam so powerful is that they were self-sufficient. You know, they made their own food, their bean pies, and they had their own media, and they had their own, everything they had, they were self-sufficient. Their clothing, their education, they built a community within America that was pretty much impenetrable except from the inside. The only way they could get in was from within, with people who look like them. And I'm, I'm saying that most most powerful movements are always destroyed from the inside. I'm watching Vikings on the History Channel, and um, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to give away uh, some of what happened in the last season. But um, Bjorn, um, <laughs> Bjorn is, the, you know, the son of Lothbrok, um, and he is, you know, one of the most powerful. And he finds out that the Rus the Russians, what, what, modern day now what we call the Russians are going to be invading and he is not the king of Norway because he he got bamboozled uh by fine hair and but here's why they really lost because their brother Ivor the Boneless who was banished because he was evil son of a gun went over to the other side and gave them the entire blueprint of how to how to fight how to penetrate how to Every turn, he had all of the strategy, but he had all of the inside knowledge that he brought to the Russians to come and invade the Vikings and win and kill everybody. But that couldn't have happened without the inside track. And so this is what I'm saying, like whether you have, and this goes for like your family, your, your own personal circle of friends, you know, the, the, the way you get destroyed quickest is from within, if you are trying to build something, the person that's usually going to hold you back is the person, one of the people closest to you, somebody that's in your camp, whether it's a family member or a close friend who's going to come at an inopportune time and borrow money when you really don't have it but you can't say no 
or you feel you can't. And if you were building an organization, you know, I, I had something similar happen to me as I was building. And it was like, so you mean the person that, that looks like us is going to be the one to take us out of here? Really? And I wasn't surprised. But that's how that is. So I guess my message today is, you know, as we build whatever we're building, businesses, even our own personal wealth, um, I hope somebody's going to build a movement, you know, um, that's powerful. The goal for me is not to inspire people to go build the next nation of Islam or because it's already in existence or do, do something on that magnitude, but to, to be mindful that um, the people closest to us are the ones we have to keep the har hardest eye on and put them through the test and make sure that they're here for the right reasons. And it's, to me, just black and white. And, you know, it's really sad when you think about everything that Malcolm X had evolved into, which was a person that was bringing people together. He had gone to Mecca. And if you've read the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley, it's, must, it's a must read. I should probably put it on the book list, but I'm assuming everybody should have read it by now. But if you read that book, you recognize that he had evolved away from the white man as the devil. And like we all are brothers and sisters and we need to build some stuff together, but we need to build it in equity and we need to stop injustices. And he was going to the U.N. That's what made him really, really dangerous and asking the world, is this fair? What's happening with black people in America? Is this fair? Is this what we're is this human rights? You know, and that was really making America look crazy globally. And so they were like, he's got to go, but we can't do it. <laughs> so you put the gun in the hands of black people. Huh. Interesting. All right. So I'm going to leave you with that. Watch it. Let me know what y'all think. Find me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Use the hashtag podcast so I can search for your comments and share this. Like, I, I want to start a conversation because many of us are trying to build some things. And it's really disheartening when you realize that sometimes the biggest enemies are the people closest to you. So how do you do that? Well, you know, how do you eliminate them from your cycle, your cipher? You know, how do you get them out of the way? Or how do you not even invite them in? How do you vet people who are coming into your organization or into your company or into your life? How do we vet them to make sure that they're here for the right reasons? Those are the questions that I'm gonna leave on the table because some I'm pondering my own self. All right, I appreciate y'all. Till next time.